This is Tell Me What to Read, the podcast of booktopia.com.au. I'm Nick Wasiliev, and for today's book discussion podcast, I'm joined by Jessica. Hello, Jess. Hi. Callum. Hello, Callum. Hi, how's it going? Very good, thank you. Lovely to have you here. And last of all, Sam. Morning. Hey, Nick. Um, so let's dive right into it and talk about the books that we are reading and enjoying. And I will throw first to Callum. Callum, what have you been enjoying over the Christmas break? Um, I went through a few books over the Christmas break. Um, I'm going to start with What I Wish People Knew About Dementia by Wendy Mitchell. Now, I read this book with the intention to learn a little bit more about the disease. A um, bit of background on me. I was the living carer for my grandmother who um, suffered from dementia in the later year of life. She's still well and she's still with us, but um, it definitely opened my eyes to what, um, how you perceive the disease and what people who are living with the disease actually um, can and cannot um, communicate, if that makes sense. Um, So Wendy Mitchell worked for the NHS in the UK for her entire life. Uh, When she was 58, she was diagnosed with dementia. And this is actually her second book. So um, this book comes out the 1st of February, but essentially um, it is a fantastic book that is dedicated to kind of giving an inside scoop on how living with dementia is like. Um, The book itself um, is structured into separate chapters. So you've got a chapter on senses, which goes into how people eat, what they eat, um, what affects them when they are choosing a meal. Um, There's a whole chapter on how they boil an egg, um, stemming from uh, situations of if they walk away, they can tend to forget that they're boiling an egg. Um, They may set an alarm, but they may forget what the alarm is for. So um, it really goes into a thorough look in how people who live with dementia can live by themselves effectively, um, which from living with someone is definitely... Um, it definitely opened my eyes to what the capabilities are. Um, I think when you have a family member or a loved one with dementia, you instantly go to the mindset of it's really sad, it's, it's got a stigma to it. You're seeing someone who was capable and looked after themselves and looked after you diminish back to that child form, back to that vulnerability. But the book itself um, is a fantastic insight into how dementia develops for different people. Um, specifically one thing that really stood out was how, how housing itself can affect how the livelihood of dementia patients, um, specifically with the cognitive skills of seeing, um, color, the way she put it was, um, majority of people living with dementia depend, no matter what the form, see things like a black and white movie. So if you've got a dark, dark, dark carpet and bright wall, but the dark carpet looks like a void and that's why um, mobility and um, confidence with their own walking especially when they get to that later stage in life where they need that bit of assistance as my grandmother went through it was really important to for her to get that across to people Wendy Mitchell has done some fantastic work I definitely recommend if you want to learn more about dementia if you are struggling with um, understanding what it is like for a loved one that's going through it or even if you're going through it yourself, um, it definitely gives a great insight into what the disease is like and what um, the stigma of it is like for people in the healthcare sector as well. A second book that I have to talk about today is a little bit of a different note. Um, it's Hellship by Michael Beach. 
Um, Hellship is not a fantasy book. It's a historical retelling of the deadly journey from Liverpool, England to Port Phillip in 1852. Um, so the story takes place on the Ticonderoga, which was an American clipper ship, 169 foot long. Um, back in the 19th century, this clip, clipper ship was the fastest thing on the water. There were many in operation. Essentially, the voyage itself is a retelling from uh, Michael Veach's great-great-grandfather, James William Henry Veach, who was the newly appointed medical practitioner on the ship itself. The story itself uh, gives a really thorough overview and recount of the happenings of the ship. So originally in 1852, um, the ship that was recommended to house 630 passengers took off with 795. Unfortunately, over the 90 days um, that took place thereafter and the recount within the story, um, 100 people died from typhus, uh, which meant as soon as it hit Port Phillip Bay, it put up the yellow mask and was um, then a news headline that typhus had come and hit Melbourne. This then transpired to another 68 people dying of typhus and um, is a fantastic recount of how Australia, especially Port um, Phillip in the time, reacted to it. Uh, there is still an area of Port Phillip Bay and the beach area that's dedicated to a quarantine, sex, um, sex, quarantine area. Uh, this area um, has a heritage stone and is um, notified for the many, many cases of people that died there. Um, many of them were um, unnamed, unfortunately, just because of the time and how the records were kept as well. So um, if you are into a bit of a historical recount and um, something that's a little bit close to Australia, then I can definitely recommend that one. So, so the variety of books you've been on has been, has been interesting. I wouldn't see you going towards, uh, going towards a story like Hellship. Um, I love that there's a there's a lot of I love that there's a lot of fantastic stories out there about you know those ships in the early days like you know you have to think of the Batavia as like a kind of almost one of those horror stories. Why I'm I'm very curious as to why you were so in, interested in this in Hellship like because it seems uh, it's such a interesting book to choose that to choose as your as your summer reading. Um, well, actually, it kind of stems from. I read Devotion and that does also have another kind of tie in with um, playing on a ship. <laughs> um, so I definitely wanted a bit more of a historical recount. So when I saw that one, um, the name itself was great, but when I started doing a bit more research into it and trying to get sort of my head wrapped around um, what the living conditions were and not having it from a kind of um, fiction standpoint, but more of a retelling standpoint. Um, it definitely goes into detail, like um, the amount of, you could almost smell the typhus with the way that he goes into detail of how things are going. So if you're not into a gruesome kind of retelling, probably not the best book to read, but um, it was definitely fascinating and definitely um, gave me a little bit more um, respect for anyone with um, ancestors who came over um, when there wasn't a Jetstar lounge and Qantas didn't have first class. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it definitely would be one for, for historical buffs and such. Great, great books, Callum. Like I love, I love as well the, the, uh, the Wendy Mitchell book as well. Like uh, the one word I was just thinking as you were describing it to me was just timely i reckon this would be something that a lot of people would would want to know about uh kind of to breaking that stigma around around dementia as well fantastic recommendations kicking us off with a bang 
Um, I'm going to now move over to Jess. Um, Jess, I know you've uh, you've had the chance to have a bit of a break as well over Christmas. Uh, what did you get? Uh, what did you get up to, and what did you enjoy reading uh, over the Christmas? Um, break? Yeah, so I read loads over Christmas. Um, the first book that I want to tell you about is uh, Isabel Allende's new book, Violetta, which comes out on the 25th January. Um, it's an amazing story about a woman who is born in 1920 just as um, the Spanish flu is arriving on the shores of South America um, and it tells her story via letters that she is writing to her grandson um, right up until the outbreak of Covid in 2020. So it's over a hundred years, um, book ended with two pandemics which um, is pretty fascinating. Um, it's a story of love and loss and relationship and it was just such a such a lovely a lovely book all about sort of aging and how those relationships that you have change and she's obviously lived through some pretty amazing historic moments throughout her life as well um, you know things like women getting the vote and, the, and women's rights and, and how she played a part in all of that um, as well as a lot of the sort of rise and fall of um, governments and dictatorships throughout Chile's history as well. So yeah, um, thoroughly recommend, really enjoyed it. Sensing a, I'm sensing like a disease theme that's coming up in this podcast. It wasn't deliberate, wasn't deliberate. <laughs> um, but following with the disease theme, I was unlucky enough to get COVID over, um, over my oh, Christmas no. break. So yeah, I managed to get Christmas christmas day with some friends but um caught it quite quickly afterwards so found myself stuck at home for a week and was like okay so what am i going to read i'm not feeling great i don't want anything particularly taxing i definitely don't want anything that is going to be horrifying or um you know plunge me into more mental instability so what am i going to read so i turned to booktop where all inspiration comes from and um, Booktop told me to read the um, A Court of Thorn and Roses series. So I went in it, went into it pretty dubious. I was like, I'm not going to enjoy this. This is, this is probably not going to work out for me, but pretty much everyone's read it. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going in. Um, and I'm addicted. I have a problem. <laughs> um, so I read the first one and then I was like, okay, well, now I need to find out what happened. So I read the second one and then I read the third. Um, and then they, and then SJ Miles wrote a little Christmas novella. So I read that as well. Um, and then I read- Oh my God. So I, I literally read all, all four and a half books. Um, and they're chunky in my books. Isolation. Yeah, they're, they're chunky. And you know, I love a chunky book. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know what to say about it other than um, you have to leave all feminist morals at the door because every man is tall, dark, hamstered and rippled with muscles and growls in your ear, which I just feel like, do we, do we, are we still on that? But apparently we are. And actually, it turns out I'm totally here for it, which is even more embarrassing. Um, and so the first book, it starts off around a um, young girl who's trying to keep her family alive by hunting for meat in a forest. And they're very, very poor. And she accidentally, deliberately, kills a fairy in Wolfpool. Skins him alive, oh sorry, no he's dead. Skins him, takes his um, pelt back to her forest home and then um, is dragged away for that murder. Um, and it's kind of a sort of Beauty and the Beast 
Hades and Persephone kind of retelling. Um, how many times an author can get the enemy to lovers trope into a series? I think this has to be a record. Um, but if, yeah, if you, if you like it, then yeah, it's, it's great. There's some great one-line quotes in there. There's um, the exploration of kind of relationships and what it is to be good and what it is to be evil. And um, especially in the most recent book, which is a, a court of silver flame, they're all a court of something. Um, there's quite an interesting look at kind of uh, self-esteem and how that affects mental health and things like that. So um, it kind of does get a little bit political. It's not completely airy-fairy, deliberate pun. Um, but yeah, highly addictive and um, my new guilty pleasure. Are you going to read the other series? The, um, okay, Jess, well, are you going to read the, the next series, the Crescent City one? I, yeah, so I think I, so I also then, off the back of this, um, I'd started her A Throne of Glass series as well and got maybe two or three books in and then left it. And having stormed through um, the Akatar series, I then finished the Throne of Glass series, which was about another four books. Um, and I haven't picked up the Crescent City series yet, but with the next one out in a, you know, in about a month's time, I think I might, I think I might pick that one up in February. She's been steamrolling through so many, so many books at the moment, Sarah J Mass, and people are loving it for it. I think, I think sticking with the theme of whenever you come on the pod, we do a tagline. You have a perfect tagline for it. I love the idea of you, of the industry review from Jessica Paul is, I am addicted. I have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I really do. It's all the things that I uh, don't stand for outside of the book world. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, all right fine if he's going to growl in my ear I'm, I'm, I'm for it okay <laughs> there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure just you enjoy what? what you read yeah you're so right and we do need to kind of dismantle this idea of a, a guilty pleasure and yeah maybe I need to just kind of say it loud and proud I am I'm here for it give me an enemy to love a stroke please more <laughs> um, also how do you find those in real life like do you just put a call out to be like hey does anybody want to become my nemesis so i can fall in love with them later like is that a thing i can probably. feel some form of epic tinder bio coming on yeah i can i'm like if you can you probably like you can do some sort of <sighs> the only one i'm thinking of and i feel bad for saying it is like parks and rec where like ben Wyatt ben was hated initially by leslie nope and then they and then she fell in love with him so maybe it's just a, maybe it's just like relationship stuff in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing recommendations. And I love the fact that you have smashed through pretty much all of Sarah J Mass in no time at all. Uh, thank you so much, Jess. Um, I hope it does for you. <laughs> uh, so before we move on to Sam, our final uh, guest to talk about the book that she's been reading and enjoying, we actually have a sponsor this week. Yes, we have a sponsored book and our sponsored book of the week is John Dale's detective work. When Dimitri Telegonis is, is promoted to the serious unsolved crime unit to investigate the disappearance of a beautiful blonde escort, he thinks he's finally made the big time. He'd always wanted to do detective work and thought it was his destiny, but things quickly start to unravel. His assigned partner is an uninterested dinosaur. And when progress in the investigation is slow, the bosses threaten to pull the plug. Desperate to crack his first cold case, Dimitri tracks down the prime suspect, only to find that there are forces at play when a naive young detective cannot fully understand. This is a fantastic book from John Dale, Detective Work, and it is our sponsored book of the week. 
for Tell Me What to Read. Um, links are listed in the description. All right, last but certainly not least, Sam, what have you been enjoying over the Christmas break? Um, yeah, so the, the first book I actually read over the Christmas break and completed on uh, New Year's Eve, um, it was something that I started, took me, took me a little while to get into, and then once I got through the first couple of chapters and was in the right headspace to read it, I just blasted through it in like three days. Um, and that was the book 138 Dates by Rebecca Campbell. Um, now, I, I wouldn't normally call myself a nonfiction reader, although I have been reading a lot more nonfiction recently, but I was really fascinated by the, the premise of this book, which is uh, Rebecca's a, it's a, it's a true story. She's a Sydney-based, or at the time she was a Sydney-based entrepreneur. And this is the story of, it's sort of got two sides. It's her chasing her, her goal of finding a life partner and settling down and getting married, having a family, while at the same time she's building her business, you know, and, and, and going through all the steps of being a CEO and getting funding and all that sort of stuff. So I think for me it was really fascinating to see, um, you know, the, the stories of, of the business side of being a woman in business, being a, a woman entrepreneur um, and, and going through the steps of how do you, how do you take a, something from an idea to getting the funding, to running a team, to creating a business. Um, and it's some really fascinating business uh, sort of points and, 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 and learnings that come through. But on the other side of it was her, and I don't know how she did this. She went on 138 dates over the course of, I think like four years. And, um, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. I was like, what? That's insane. <laughs> and it was really fascinating to me because she's talking about uh, places in Sydney that I can recognize. Um, and she, I, I really admire her and respect her because she had a plan. She had like a lead generation flow of how do you get someone from a date lead to going on an actual date. And um, she had a spreadsheet. That's how she knew it was 138. And I really just respect that a lot. Um, she had a plan and she, and she, um, she went through it and there was some really le interesting learnings as well, because she would call up these, these men that she, you know, might've had a date with and, you know, um, ask them, why didn't it work out? Why didn't you ask me for a second date? You know, what from your perspective went wrong? So she was getting feedback and some of them responded and you, you see it in the book and it was kind of a really interesting insight into, um, you know, the male mind and, and kind of. Uh, what works and what doesn't in kind of this um, uh, interesting social uh, thing that we do as human beings. Uh, so that was really interesting to me. And there's a fantastic ending and it's really uplifting and I almost cried and it was, it's a really good book. <laughs> oh, sounds so lovely. I it. <laughs> I'm so fascinated um, how she managed to get so many dates in. Like, like did she, was she like, I'm just going to dedicate this whole weekend to dating and I'm going to do a breakfast date a second breakfast date a bunch date a lunch date a dinner date like how did she do it she started off she started off with wanting to do one date a week for a year um and then she also said that if she couldn't go on a date because she was busy or sick she had to make up for it so there were weeks where she'd go on two or three if she had to make up dates um and you know it's a numbers game she was she was getting her leads and yeah investigating i, she I really like the idea that she was treating it like a business it was like okay the more the more you get in, the more chance you get of converting, <laughs> converting those leads to a sale. Yeah. God, yeah, I was yeah. also going to just say, God help her trying to figure out how the men's brain works. Cause 
because I can't even manage well, that's, them. That's why she asked them, you know. What she talks to a lot get? of different people. She, um, Oh, things like, um, uh, uh, I think I remember she was talking to a, a barman, you know, about, about why she wasn't getting second dates from her, um, I think she was like a Tinder bio or something. And um, uh, the guy said to her, oh, you know, well, your bio says that, you know, you're just here for a fun time. It doesn't say you're looking for a relationship. Uh, and she's like, okay, cool. So I need to change, you know, my bio to make it clear what I'm expecting so that I can match with the people who are aligned with that. Um, and also things like, oh, well, these are the sorts of things that um, if you're on a date with a man, these are, the, these are the signs that they're looking for to show your interest. And she wasn't doing those things. And that's why they were assuming, okay, this person's so interested, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting. Her process was interesting, but also um, her way of just flat out asking people for feedback and, and trying to learn from it because she had a goal in mind. Um, whereas, uh, it was really, really, yeah, inspirational. So, uh, yeah, that was the book I finished on, uh, on New Year's Eve. And then um, in the spirit of New Year, New Year, because it is featured in New Year, New Year, I started reading Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, this is not her most recent book. Her most recent book is Atlas of the Heart, which I have seen a physical copy of it. It is gorgeous. Um, but this book was recommended to me a while ago, and my New Year's resolution was to go through my TBR pile and only read from that to try and clear it. Um, and so I started reading this and I've got to say, like, Brene Brown is not overhyped. Uh, you know, she's an incredibly talented, fairly prolific author. And I was really, really impressed uh, with this book. I'm about halfway through it at the moment, but I'll probably finish it over the next few days. Um, I really love her style of writing. It's very conversational. It's very easy to understand. It's very easy to grasp. Um, and what most impresses me um, is that she's very honest. I wouldn't say she's brutally honest. She's um, gently honest with herself. She refers to her own mistakes and what she did. And she refers to parts of herself and her history that she has changed. And she's completely honest about it. I, I really, really respect that a lot. Um, and I think that it comes through that she is not, she's not the type of uh, the person to write, you know, those books where they they sort of say, I'm perfect and I have achieved X, Y, Z. Here's how you can do it. If you wake up at 3am and have cold showers and are a millionaire, you too can be like me. Um, she's on the journey with you. She's open about her mistakes and about her learnings. And she's really just sharing her insights from her many years of research. Um, she's a, you know, she's a doctor as well. So this is her, her life's work. Um, and yeah, just really, really impressed with her style of writing and re some really, really great insights. And I think that even if you don't consider yourself a leader, um, it's definitely worth picking up. There's a quote from it, which I think might change people's minds about whether or not this book is relevant to them, which is a leader is anyone who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and has the courage to develop that potential. So you don't need to be a CEO. You don't need to be the manager of a team with 20 people. I think that most people can relate to that. And when you read this book, you know, the, it almost makes you really self-interrogate yourself and how you see yourself and the things that you do. And it really challenges you to um, be more vulnerable, but also set boundaries and, and really work in a way that or, or 
move through the world and your interactions with other people in a in a different way. Um, there's this really cool quote that I just want to pull out. Um, I actually folded the page. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who hates that last night. So um, it, it's something that she's quoting from her previous book, which is about wholeheartedness and this whole thing about daring to lead with vulnerability, with wholeheartedness. And she's quoting a previous book uh, called The Gifts of Imperfection. And I think that in this in this life and in, in this new world of um, pandemic season three, this is something that I hope and I think could resonate with a lot of people, which is um, what is wholeheartedness? It means cultivating the courage, compassion and connection to wake up in the morning and think no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. It's going to better thinking, yes, I'm imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am brave and worthy of love and belonging. And I just was like, I just wanted to hug the book because I was just like, thank you, Brene. So I was just that like, was woo! Yeah! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. She has this gorgeous way of writing. Everyone needs a Brene Brown in their corner, you know, yeah. uh, a Dr. Brene Brown. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be using that. And, I, yeah, definitely I think this is a, a beautiful book that's accessible but so useful. Read um, for everyone. I do. I, I from what from all the books that I've seen Brené Brown put out, like she is learning things as much as you are, um, because so many of these books, like often like books around self help and management of the self, can often be like here's this person who is speaking from point Z, talking to you at point A. Here's how you get to be like me. Um, noticed it with when when because i mean atlas of the heart has been huge uh it's been it's been our number one for several weeks now and just hearing about that was amazing so to hear about this book as well and the fact that she it's it's also her story as well about what she discovers i think is i think maybe sounds like it hits it hits a lot harder than most books around kind of managing and looking after yourself Hmm. um amazing recommendation sam absolutely love it um thank you sam and thank you all of you these these books have been great i'm liking where the mindset of where all of you have been in at the moment some have been escaping to fantasy some have been escaping to typhus ridden ships and some have been escaping to to self-help and managing themselves um i love it i love where all your where all your heads are at um so you can check out all of the books that we have talked about today uh, in the description while I'll be listing them down there. But if you're looking for books in general, we have this amazing website called booktopia.com.au. There are millions, and I mean millions of titles there on site, whether it be eBooks, normal books, what have you, we have got it. Go check it out. There are lots of books to spend. For, there are a lot of books for you to buy, spend your money, help keep us in business, help keep this podcast running. Uh, that it's the, it's the ultimate place to go, your one-stop shop for books. Please join us next week as we sit down for a YA extravaganza with Amy Kaufman, Megan Spooner and Vanessa Len uh, as our next episode. But as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much to all of my guests for their book recommendations for this week. And as always, never stop reading. <laughs>